We're in a series right now called Bible Stories. The thought behind this series of Bible Stories is we're taking some really ancient stories from literally thousands of years ago and finding some practical application for our modern lives today. We're also looking at some of the lesser-known Bible characters. And we've done this over the last several years and trying to find obscure, maybe some lesser-known Bible characters. And you realize these are real people that live real lives and God did miraculous things in them and through them. The course of this series, we looked at Cain and Abel. We, we contrasted rebellion versus righteousness. We looked at a man named Mordecai and another man named Haman. And we contrasted the positive influence of Mordecai to ultimately lead his cousin Esther to ultimately save the nation of Israel. We contrasted that with evil Haman, who also influenced, but he influenced in the negative sense of how to really destroy the nation of Israel. Well, now we're looking at a lady named Deborah and another lady named Jael. And these two ladies were used by God to bring liberty and protection to the nation of Israel. And God worked through in and through them in really a miraculous way and only that way that God can do. This is part two of the message of Deborah. Last week I began and we started talking through God's correction, God's direction, and also God's protection. And last week we only got through the first part of God's correction. And I'm going to give you an overview and a summary again of the book of of this account in Judges chapter number four and five. And then we're going to get into God's direction and also God's protection. And our principle for today gives us an underlying foundation. This underlying foundation is I must trust God and live by faith. It all starts with trusting God. Trust God and then live by faith. You don't live by faith in just crossing your fingers and hoping. It comes from a source, and that source is God. And when we trust God and let Him work in us and through us, from that, God has something to work with, but also we can begin to experience God's correction, God's direction, and ultimately God's protection. And from that, we give God the glory for how He works in us and through us. Every single one of us here today has the potential for God to work in and through. And oftentimes we think, well, it's just for those certain people, or it's just for those people over there, or I'm not educated enough, or I'm not this or that. And we have all these long excuses why we can't trust God, and we certainly could not move by faith in regards to our relationship with God. Let me encourage you today is every single one of us has the ability for God to work in us and through us. And throughout this series, I've introduced you to a new disease. I haven't given it to you. I've just told you about it. And this new disease is the disease of someday-itis. And the someday-itis is we often look at things and go, well, I'll trust God someday in the future. I'll live by faith someday in the future. But for today, here I am, and I'll just continue to go through the motions. I came across this, I thought was a quite funny quote. I used to procrastinate, but got so good, I turned pro. 
And they encourage you that we don't want to live lives of procrastination. We don't want to live lives where we go through the motions of life thinking, well, next year we're coming up to December. And before long, the new year will come and you begin preparing yourself for your New Year's resolution. Let me challenge you. If your New Year's resolution has to do with anything but dieting, if it has to do with your relationship with God, don't procrastinate until January 1st to start your relationship with God. Let me challenge you to begin putting those things in place even today rather than someday itis, someday in the future. Let me give you a little background of the book of Judges, and then we will get into the, the, really the meat of this message today. The book of Judges is during a time period within the nation of Israel. It's about 1230 B.C. And during this time period, we have in the, in the beginning, of course, the nation of Israel was, was started with and through Abraham, and God worked in and through him. And then from the nation that he began, they moved down into Egypt and were there for hundreds of years. And through that, they became slaves in Egypt and became oppressed. And God raised up a man named Moses. God worked in and through him. He delivered the people of, out of slavery out of Egypt into the wilderness. And God really performed miracles there. And from that, they went into the wilderness. And because of God setting things up during that time, of course, they received the law during this period of time. They also received the Ten Commandments and the, the way that they were to do worship. The tabernacle was built during this period of time. God was setting up a number of things. But because of the lack of faith, they ended up as a nation wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. At the end of that time period, God raised up a man named Joshua who led the nation of Israel out of the wilderness into their promised land, the land of Canaan. And God had given his people very specific instructions to go into all the land and to literally clear it out, move out and, and destroy the, the other nations that are in there. Because it's a very important picture for our own lives. When we allow sin to remain in our life, even if it's a small amount of sin in our life and it's unconfessed and undealt with, it begins to fester and grow and it affects the rest of us. And that's exactly what took place in the nation of Israel. They had seen from generation to generation the promises of God, and now they're experiencing the promises of God in their promised land. They turn their back on God time and time again. Where the surrounding nations would influence them and they were willing participants and they would begin to turn away from the things of God and begin to worship the false gods. And this worshiping of false gods wasn't just because they became apathetic towards the things of God. It was in direct conflict with what God had told them and taught them how they're supposed to worship. The debauchery and the evil worship is really quite demonic as you look at the Canaanite worship. And the nations around would influence Israel and God would allow those surrounding nations to oppress Israel for a time period. And during the time periods, in the particular case of Deborah, it took 20 years of oppression from the Canaanites for Israel to finally say, God, will you protect us? And as soon as they did, God began to raise up their protector and their protection. 
It says in Judges chapter number 21, verse 25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I asked you to turn earlier to Judges chapter number 4. Look at the very first verse. Judges chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, And the people of Israel, and I underline the word on the screen, again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. You notice it says the word again. Now, if we think with a bit of an attitude there, we can think again. They're back doing the same thing all over again. They're back here again turning their back on the things of God and going towards this evil worship. And God in his graciousness and his kindness, and this is our point from last week that we developed, was he gave correction. And in that correction, we said it finally brings the nation of Israel to the end of themselves. And it says in verse number three, then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. And if you're anything like me, now, granted, I'm not God and neither are you. But in human thinking, you know what? It took you 20 years of me oppressing you in order to get you back. I'm going to make you suffer a little more. And we don't see that at all. That's the end of verse number three. The people cried out to the Lord for help. The verse number four begins with turns it around and God raises up Deborah. We see all this take place. and We see a very kind and gracious God. Chapter number four, verse one, begins with Israel again doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. On the opposite side of that, the very end of this account is chapter number five, verse number 31. And if you see in your Bibles, there's two chapters there. The first chapter, chapter number four, lays out the account. Here's what takes place. Chapter number five is a song by Deborah and a man named Barak. And they are singing a song of praise to the Lord for his great victory. Sorry, I'm spoiling it for you. Spoiler, he gives them great victory. And they write out this wonderful song of praise to the Lord. At the very end of the song of praise, we come to verse number 31. And it says this, So May all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. Now that's very pictorial and very poetic way of writing, but it's a total change of attitude. As a result of this correction that God had given them, they went from again doing that which was evil, and they turned it around and saying, God, your will be done. They were turning it from God, my will be done, to God, your will be done. We see that in Jesus' prayer that he teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter number 6, commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're contrasting this morning. We're going to be looking at what will take place if we simply filter everything that we allow to come into our eyes, into our ears, and out of our mouth, and out of through our actions? We filter that through, God, your will be done. How different will our world be? 
How different will our influence be of those around us? What sort of impact can we allow God to make in us and through us if we filter everything through, God, your will be done? From that, we see God's correction. God, your will be done. The next is God's direction and how he directs us. And we can also filter that through God, your will be done. The nation of Israel, after 20 years of oppression from the Canaanites, the Canaanites at that time period in that particular region were the powers of the day. They had 900 chariots. Now, that doesn't sound maybe that impressive to you, but at the time, those were like the tanks of the day. And these tanks were going to run over any army. And as a result of these chariots and a result of the strong army, Israel was very much the underdog. But God knew exactly who he was going to be working through, where he was going to be placing them, and why he was doing absolutely everything that he was allowing. And we see God's direction. I'm going to read in Judges chapter number 4, verses 4 through 9. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen as I read that. It says this. Now Deborah, our prophetess, the wife of Lipitoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Ebenoam, and from Kadesh, Nephtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people from Nephtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will, and I will give him into your hand. Now, Barak's response in verse number 8 is a very natural response. He wasn't expecting any of this. You think he woke up one morning expecting the day to be just like the every other day for the previous 20 years. But God was working in and through Deborah. And Barak says in verse number 8, Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And the next thing we read is, Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. They went and began following the instruction of God. First of all, we see with God's direction, we see that God knows who he's working through. He didn't talk to everybody. This wasn't a, thus saith the Lord, everyone heard this correction and this direction. We see this direction given to Deborah specifically. And God had been preparing her to receive this word for, we don't know how long in the, in the past, but we understand that it was the norm for her. She was well prepared. We see in verse number four, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipidoth, was judging Israel at that time. We also see in chapter number five, in verse number seven, it says, I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. We see several things here. 
we first of all see that she was a prophetess. So God was working in and through her. The Holy Spirit was guiding her and directing her in the words that she spoke. She was speaking the words of God. We also see that she was a judge. Now, oftentimes we think of judge, we think of someone that's judgmental. Or maybe she was, a, she was the town gossip. That's not what we see here at all. She wasn't here judging everyone and just saying, Here's, I'm going to tell you my opinion about everything. This was a woman who was being directed by God, who was standing before people and making judgments between parties that were at, in opposition to one another. Whether there's conflict, she would make judgments between one and the other. And God was working in her and through her and giving her direction throughout this time. We also see that she was a wife. And then in chapter number five, we see that she calls herself a mother. What can you learn from the life of Deborah? If you've ever studied out Proverbs chapter number 31, you will you understand that Proverbs 31 lays out a beautiful picture of a, which referred to, commonly referred to as a Proverbs 31 woman. And this Proverbs 31 woman is not a gossip. She is not lazy. She gets up early. She provides for her family. Deborah was a very busy lady. Not only was she doing the things of God, she also had her household responsibilities to take care of. She wasn't neglecting one side to serve the other. God was working in her and through her and directing her to do both and do them both well. What can you learn from Deborah as God worked in the, both the physical and also in the spiritual? On the other side is God is working through a man named Barak. We don't know a great deal about Barak. We know that he was, basically, he was a general and he oversaw and, and he gathered together the army. Sometimes we can think of Barak because he hesitated in his obedience, that he was a, a, a man that was not brave men, but he was a brave man. But you got to think of, and put this in, in our perspective and in, in reality. He's a man who's gone through the motions of life for the previous 20 years. There's a great and mighty army oppressing him. And he wakes up one day and a lady who he respects and knows comes and says, God has given this into your hand. Get up and go. And he's saying, I trust God, but I don't know if I trust you, Deborah. So, Deborah, you come and put your, in a sense, proverbial money where your mouth is. Will you come with me? Because if you're not willing to go with me, I don't know if I really trust you, Deborah. And something is absolutely beautiful as we see the promise of God in verse number seven. And he says, I will give him into your hand. And he goes on in verses eight and nine. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And verse number nine is something I believe we can all learn. When God is working in us and through us and directing us, other people around us may hesitate. They don't know what we know because God didn't work in Barak's life the way that he did in Deborah's life. But what we can see is there was no hesitation in Deborah's life whatsoever. Verse number nine says, she says, I will surely go with you. She put every one of her other responsibilities off to the side and said, I trust God and I'm going to act by faith as a result and I will surely go with you. And the ind indication there is there was absolutely no hesitation on her part whatsoever. She knew what God had told her. 
because it was God who was doing the directing. I came across this quote this week, and I think it's a quote that I personally find helpful. Because so often we think to ourselves when we pray, and we are told, pray to God. Share our burdens with God. Share our requests before God. Ask others to join together in prayer, a prayer request to God. But then we naturally say, okay, God, you, I pray to you. Now you go and take care of all the problems. The quote is this. God is in control, but he doesn't expect you to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. God has given us the ability to get up and perform. He had been preparing Barak his entire life for just this moment. He'd been preparing Deborah throughout her life and her spiritual growth so that she could speak with confidence the truth of God and he, Deborah could have easily gone, God, I can see that you're going to work and, and liberate our, our people, Israel. Fantastic. And never moved. And Barak could have said, God, I can see that you're going to work and you're going to liberate the nation of Israel. And he never moved. But he got up and followed the direction of God. God knows who he's working through. Also, God, in a, in a miraculous way, was very specific in where he told them to go. He gave through Deborah the exact region or exact area where he wanted this battle to take place. It says in verse number seven, And I will draw Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I, and I will give him into your hand. It's saying there, I want you to go to this specific area. Now at the time, it gives no indication of why. God just gave very specific instructions. Go to this particular valley where this river is going through. And I can appreciate uh, probably a lot of discussion. Why would God have us go down there? It would have been much easier to have the battle over here. But God was giving specific directions, not just with who, but with where. Because we can realize why as we go on in verses 14 and 15. And Deborah said to Barak, up. For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? She reiterates that wonderful truth. It goes on. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And verse number 15. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak at the edge of the sword. You imagine for a moment, down the valley they come with their chariots. And on the other side, by this particular river that they don't really know why God told them to go to this particular river. And they begin to prepare themselves for a battle. Chapter number Five gives us some understanding of God's miraculous power and God's really his sense of humor as well. In chapter number five, verse 20 and 21. From the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The torrents, Kishon, swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent, Kishon, march on my soul with might. 
And what it's saying there is God brought a storm that made the chariots no longer able to function. He indication from the heavens. So therefore, they indicate there's probably hail coming down. God fought this battle in a way that really only God could fight. And he brought them down to the right place for this particular summer storm to come by that was unseasonal. God did something miraculous. You want to see God's sense of humor? The Canaanite god, Baal, is their god of fertility and their god of weather. And as I was studying it out, it's particularly their god of storms. And God takes the Canaanite god, who's an evil, false, demonic god, and he turns that power of that god into something that destroys their army, ultimately showing the glory of God over all the other gods and all the other nations. God certainly has a sense of humor, and they learn to trust God and live by faith. That's why we can have passages in the Bible like Proverbs chapter number 3, 5 through 7. Oftentimes, famous passages in the Bible are famous because they're powerful. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. And it goes on in verse number 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. God knew exactly why he was doing what he was doing. He was working in his correction. He was working in his direction. And ultimately, Barak wasn't just influenced. He was able to influence 10,000 other men to follow him into battle. All the way through that, we can learn from the lesson of God your will be done. Barak may have begun that day with some hesitation, but he did not end that day with any hesitation because he totally trusted God and he acted by faith. We can see the three points, God's correction, God's direction, and then also God's protection. And in God's protection, we can turn that God, your will be done, even in the times of protection, and we can turn that around and say, God, thank you for your protection. God worked in a lady named Jael, and God worked in a miraculous way of putting the right people at the right place at the right time. And how do these, all these things come together? Some of the best written and best novels and the best written movies are movies where you have a bunch of characters all coming together and then it all aligns in the end. And you look back at the whole picture and go, that was absolutely amazing. That's exactly what God did here. He worked in some particular people in chapter number four, verse 17. It says, but Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Herber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabe and the king of Hazor and the house of Herber, the Kenite. The Kenites were people that were not Canaanites and they were not Israelites. The Kenites were actually related to Moses and Moses' father-in-law. And they were aligned with Israel. But this particular man, Herber, and his wife, Jael, they were kind of in no man's land. They weren't aligned with the Canaanites and they weren't aligned with the Israelites and they weren't aligned with their own people, the Kenites. So they go out to a particular area that's right in the middle of this now battle 
and Sisera is running for his life. His army and his chariots are defeated and he's running for his life and he goes and hides in a place that he thinks no one is going to look for him. He goes and hides in the tents of the ladies. Now, in our modern society, maybe that's not a big deal, but in this era, that was unheard of. He was hiding in the women's tent, and he was thinking to himself, no one's going to look for me here in, this, in the women's tent. God worked in this lady, Jael, in a way that was absolutely miraculous. Jael didn't wake up that morning like it was any other different morning. She probably saw the clouds and saw the rain. Other than that, it was a normal morning. She wasn't prepared beforehand. No one came to jail and says, Thus saith the Lord, you are going to liberate Israel from the Sisera. He doesn't t- she doesn't know this at all. She simply wakes up one morning and God begins to use her. Something unusual happened to my own family l- last week. Something that has never happened before. And I told my family, this is going to be a sermon illustration. I got a phone call from my wife. And my wife, normally a very calm lady. But she called me with a little high pitch. Michael! <laughs> no, she's not, not Mickey Mouse sounding. No. <laughs> with a beautiful angelic voice. Michael, come home right now. And I, what's wrong? She goes, I don't know how this happened, but there's a bobtail lizard in my son Caden's room. And he's a teenage boy, so there's always, like, who knows. And there's a bobtail lizard in his room, and you need to come and get it out. Now, to be honest with you, I've never had that phone call before. I didn't have any preparation beforehand of what do to do. So naturally, as a hero, I got a bucket and I coaxed it in. And it was released across the road into the bush. I was the hero. Things that you don't really expect to happen. You wake up one morning and go, I had no idea today we were going to rescue a bobtail out of my son's room. And who knows how long it's been in there. Because he said for several nights earlier he'd heard scratching around and didn't do anything about it. So, <laughs> so who knows? At least it wasn't a snake because that would have been a different conversation altogether. Then I would have gone, sorry, I can't hear you. You're breaking up. God prepares us and puts us in the right place at the right time. That's exactly what he did with Jael. He put her in exactly the right place. Sisera runs into the tent and goes to hide. And he's out of breath. He's tired. He's been running for his life. His army has been defeated. And Jael begins to talk very kindly to him. He's thirsty. He drinks some milk. He lies down. She covers him over. And I'll just explain the way the Bible explains it. He falls asleep and go and Jael goes and gets a tent peg. And the way that indicates is not like one of the little tent pegs. It's a big tent peg. And he gets a, a hammer and he goes and lines up his temples and knocks it through his temples all the way through his ten head, piercing his head into the ground. And the way the Bible says it is so beautiful. It says, and he died. Jael goes outside and begins to wait for the general Barak as he comes in pursuit. And that's verse number 22. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. Now granted, I think this is a little bit of humor here because you think Barak is pretty tired. 
and he runs into this tent, probably expecting with a sword drawn, ready to fight a battle. And he looks down and it says there, so he went into the tent and there lay Sisera dead with a tent peg in his temple. Now, this is just my imagination. This is not Bible. You imagine running in, getting ready to fight against this Sisera, this, this commander, and he looks around and goes, and he looks at Jael and goes, what did you do? Like, how did you do that? God had prepared her and put her in the, in the right place at the right time for God's protection, ultimately for God's glory. And we can see God knows why in his protection. In verses 23 and 24, it says, On that day, God subdued until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. God did the subduing. He's the one that did the changing. He's the one that did the miraculous. And as a result of that, God's the one that gets the glory. We see in, let's do contrast again. Judges chapter number four, verse one, begins with the people again did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. They were there saying, it's all about me. Follow me. I'm going to trust in me. I'll have faith in me. As a result, God used that, that correction to bring them back. And as he brought them back, he directed the right people at the right place at the right time for just exactly where they needed to be, ultimately to receive God's protection. And all the way through, just like it says in chapter number 5, verse 31, they could be saying, God, your will be done. What can you learn from the life of Deborah, from the life of Barak, and the life of Jael that will help you practically even this week? We encourage you, just like our principle is, that you'll go out this week and that you will trust God and that you will live and act by faith and filter everything that you allow to come into your heart and into your mind and everything that we allow to come out of your, your life will be filtered through God, your will be done in your correction and in your direction and ultimately in your protection, all for your glory.